You're listening to The Mando Show, weekly podcast and review of Disney Plus's The Mandalorian. This week we take a look at the Disney Gallery episode on the cast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Mando Show. We are here this week talking about Disney Gallery behind the scenes of The Mandalorian, Episode 3, The Cast. Mm-hmm. To the left of me is... Uh, Udi Alvarado, Star Wars fan and podcaster. Where can they find you, Udi? Uh, you can find me on... All of my socials, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all H-A-X-G-O-A-L-I-E, Hacks Goalie. And you can find me on my other podcast, Leaving the Leaving Today podcast, a Disneyland-centric podcast. All right, and across the table from me is the ever-busy... <laughs> this is uh, Joey, the unapologetic Star Wars fanboy. Where can they find you? <laughs> you can find me uh, hitting the socials here at The Mando Show on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you Which are? <laughs> the Man Show, apparently, <laughs> uh, during Mark's Con line. But uh, it's actually on Instagram. We are a Mando Show podcast. And on Twitter, we are at Mando The Mando Show pod. It's, Twitter's weird, but mm-hmm. that's where we're at. Easy to find. And um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter also at jpity 23 uh, it's J-P-I-T-T-Y-2-3 and my other numerous podcasts, the Disney Universe Podcast, the Disney Universe Tiki Cast, and All Aboard the Disneyland Railroad. All right. Easy to find, but not easy to say. Okay. Exactly. And to the right of me is our very own Chad, the resident Mandalorian. And you can find me at our Instagram page or you can message me on the Mandalorian Mercs Facebook page. So stop by and say hello. Hello. All right. Man, this episode went in pretty deep on on not just uh, the people that are the main characters of the show, but also the Mandalorian character himself. We get to see the difficulties in having a character that there has no face, mm-hmm. uh, the challenges, the things that they do to so that we can connect with him, and so we can see what his emotions are, what his motivations are, and what he's trying to do. So uh, this episode opens up with a few shots, as they have been doing, of uh, people standing around the sets, talking, everybody is always smiling. <laughs> they are very much enjoying playing at Star Wars and doing it right. And it, it I enjoy seeing that aspect of it. Uh, you would think that that wouldn't mean a whole lot to, to somebody, but seeing that they are enjoying making Star Wars means that they're putting their forth their best effort, and I definitely understand that because I enjoy what I do, and it makes me put forth my best effort, and that's why we get to see this amazing show called The Mandalorian. Yeah, you see everybody working hard, but they're enjoying their hard work, and what obviously we see what the payoff is. We got a damn good oh, show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and this behind the scenes too. Yeah, so it's brilliant. It Love is it. very hard to sit down. I look at little a little breaking the fourth wall here. It's it's very hard to sit down and make notes for us to talk about 
because watching this, I just get carried away and watch oh, yeah. what's going on. It's yeah, yeah. such an interesting thing. Even though I've seen it three, four <laughs> times, you still just get carried away. You see everybody's enthusiasm. Everyone's genuine love for what they're doing. Yeah, and every time I watch it, at the end, I'm like, oh, already? <laughs> like, oh, I mean, like five, four, five, six, seven times, and it ends, and you're like, oh, man. It's over already. Even though now I'm getting to the part where I recognize the end is coming, I'm like, oh, no, we're done. And yep. I'm like, I want more. <laughs> yep. I yep. Want it. And every time it's want to know more of what each person was saying. Yeah. Too, because you feel like they're, they're doing their best to edit the, the really great stuff in there, but I've, it, I still want to hear more. Yeah, like and the way they're breaking up more. the show is just, just brilliant. Now oh, yeah. that we've kind of moved on from just the directors and legacy now, We'll be getting the roundtables of the actors, the directors, you know, Lucasfilm personnel, and all, you know, as the rest of the series continues. I mean, we mentioned the titles of the next couple shows, and yeah, we're, it's it's just yeah, it seems it seems longer than thirty minutes at times. It seems shorter than thirty minutes, but every time it's it's just like the the regular shows. Just like Udi said, I, I want more, yep. and, and I'm eating up everything. I love yep. it. Yep. So they start in talking about Mandalorian himself. Uh, we have a couple of directors, uh, Chow and Fumiyao, get on there and they talk about the specific difficulties of having a character that doesn't have a face. Because m- when you have the main character, you want people to identify and understand what they're going through. And that's usually done through eye contact, facial cues, that kind of stuff. But when you have somebody that doesn't have that at all, it becomes an entirely different way of showing what's going on. And just a quick, syn- a quick synopsis on that for, for my part is I, the takeaway I got was they went the opposite direction of doing a whole bunch to doing very little. Chow says that she got there. The idea was to make it so that every movement counted and to be very still. They went for very still and then every movement meant something. Mm-hmm. And it that was exactly it. And, and it, when you watch the show, you see that when these things are going on, you have that moment of stillness that the, that the Mandalorian is doing. It's very still. And every movement that he does portrays a big emotion or message or intent. Yeah, and I think the one um, scene they show is right at the sin when he decides, I need to go back. Not a word not a facial expression nothing and all it is is hand reaching up pause then closing the hand looking over and then going back and you're like you know what happened in that moment without a word and we we talked about it before how the conveyance of emotion um, how how they were doing it, even though we knew no phase, no nothing, and yet we were feeling everything that he was going through. And then they kind of talk about. It. I'm like, well, okay, I, maybe I didn't get it, but when you, when you know uh, Deborah Child brings it up, you're like, oh my god, that is it. Deliberate, you know, motion done in a very emotional, pointed way. And you get to see the fact that everything they did was with purpose, was thought out with 
reason behind it all. And that's why it comes across the way it does. They proceed to, uh, then, then they proceed to show, um, you know, our man Pascal <laughs> in there and he starts talking about yep. his role in it, uh, what it means to him. And we also get to see the other two guys that are involved in making the Mandalorian come to life and be a bigger than life character that he is. And I know Chad talked about these guys before. He knew who they were from the get-go, which I didn't know who they were. At least uh, I knew who Latif Crowder was. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know who Brendan Wayne was. Mm -hmm. And aside from being John Wayne's grandson, I don't know what kind of credits he has to call to. I do remember him saying like one of his qualifications was that he... You know, shot a gun before, and I'm, I'm like, <laughs> scream. I'm, I know, I'm like screaming in the living room. Hire me, hire me. I, I know. I think we all were, were like, uh, 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 that's a qualification. Like, I know what I, I know what I had a weapons. Let me, let yeah. me come be a stunt double. Um, but then, like Latif Crowder, I'd been familiar with having watched martial arts movies um, because of his capoeira fighting style. He's kind of a trendy bad guy to put into all your all of these uh, martial arts movies because it's. Not something that you see a lot of, and if you don't know what capoeira is, it's uh, Brazilian dance fighting. It's uh, the slaves in Brazil, they weren't allowed to learn martial mm -hmm. arts or combat because they'd be seen as a way to overthrow the, the slavers. So they came up with this style of martial arts that's based on dance. So they would like hide their martial arts moves and dance. And if you haven't seen it, it's really cool to see. Mm -hmm. And in uh, Chapter 6, when he's beaten down on those uh, New Republic droids, you can kind of see little hints of it come out, because obviously that's Latif Crowder mm -hmm. um, and what they brought him in for. Was that the same style from like the Nolan Batman, too, or no? I, I thought I heard something about the Brazilian. Um, which Batman? Uh, Dark Knight. Part of it. Not part, not not so much the dance part, but I think the the where it's kind the of the fight when he fought Bane. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Not a Batman podcast. My bad. Right. If you want to see some of his better work, uh, the Protector with Tony Jaw is probably the best Capoeira fight scene that I've seen Latif Crowder do. So mm -hmm. that's a good one to watch. Hmm. I've been meaning to actually watch that. I keep seeing that. Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> They talk, they show, and of course, while they're talking to them, they show clips of the things that they've done and things like that. And again, everybody's smiling, happy, enjoying what they're doing, which is, uh, which is great. So, uh, we go in, then we go into the round table. Um, John Favreau sitting there, Filoni sitting there, Carl Weathers is sitting there, Pedro Pascal is sitting there, and Gina Carano is sitting there. And they start talking to Pedro Pascal about, um, you know, what, what his experience has been like. And they bring up a particular story. I guess he got hurt on set and, uh, it was kind of amusing. You know, yeah, I, I can identify with Pedro cause he seemed like he was a little more embarrassed about the story. Well, it was mm -hmm. an offset on a way to set. I think, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. He, he said, no, he said he fell out of the makeup or he hit a plywood board. Walking yeah. yeah. Out of the, he he the hit a board, trailer, a wood board. Yeah. And it cracked him right across the nose. So, yep. and this, and it was right after he had been getting into the makeup or the makeup done for the scene where they take his helmet off. And if you've seen the show, when they do finally take his helmet off, mm -hmm. it's because he's bleeding, he's banged up, he's about to die, and he looks a mess. Mm -hmm. So add that on top of him walking into plywood, he gets a <laughs> big gash across his nose, which 
as if after you hear that and you watch the episode, you can see the parts where that where it happened and then where it happened where he was healing later and what he did later after that accident. Because you see the little the, the little cut on his nose getting smaller and smaller and less red and red <laughs> depending on what he's doing. The voiceover sections, especially, you could tell that it had been after yeah, he had gotten yeah, hurt yeah, because yeah. it was barely barely showing anymore. So we'll, and the the voiceover section, by the way, when they're showing him talking yeah. and doing that stuff. I I was laughing and impressed at the same time. Right, the fact that he he's watching the action on screen and acting it out while he's doing the talking, you know, that goes to show the kind of commitment that these people take mm-hmm. and do when they're when they're doing this acting. Um, and there's been memes about it too. Pedro holding the, a pillow while he's doing the scene with Tiny in his arms and stuff like that. Very all, all funny stuff. But that's where it's all coming from. It's coming from those scenes right there. And um, but the part that he's voice doing the voiceovers does play a little bit part later on when Carl Weathers is talking about something. Now Pedro walks into the the plywood, busts his nose, goes to the hospital. Get seven stitches. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not that big of a cut, but the seven stitches, I know why they, he got seven stitches because you've got to save the face. Yep. Yeah. you yep. got to get... Money the, maker. The more stitches that you get in a, in a cut, the smaller that scar is going to be. So it's not very... It's like, what? Not even half an inch on yeah. his nose, but it's right on the bridge of his nose. You can barely see it now if, you're pay, if you really pay attention you know what you're looking at. But he seemed rather embarrassed about it all. He went on to, to tell a story about when he was in South America, he was walking on tin roofs, doing all these <laughs> ridiculous things, never got hurt, and then this happened. And But Gina Carano was giving him props for getting hurt and then coming right back to work. <laughs> so in the final, epi- or, yeah, the final episode, when you see him hurt, he takes the helmet off, you see that scar, that cut across his nose. That's real, folks. Yeah. That's his real <laughs> cut. That he got with real stitches in there. That wasn't part of the makeup. All the other stuff was, but he's got his real, real yeah. honest what, to God what, wound. What, what uh, was it, Favreau or Weathers? Like method actor. Method. method. We're really method. Into, yeah, Favreau. Yeah. yeah. Method. Yeah. yeah, that's some people go a little too far. I think sometimes. No. Yeah, but one thing. One thing I'll say real quick about Pedro Pascal. I've been a fan of his for a while. I, I, I hadn't seen Narcos uh, yet, but uh, prior to him being cast, I was right when they announced him. As the Mandalorian leading the show, I got super excited because uh, the things I knew him for from were um, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and uh, then of course uh, the second um, Kingsman. He played Whiskey, which was mm-hmm. a great character. Love that character. And uh, then the Equalizer. The was it the first one or second one? I believe with Ooh. Denzel. Was it the Equalizer or it's one of those Denzel revenge movies? But he, mm. but he was his an ex partner that was the actual kind of like the bad guy. I don't know, but and so in every you know every Game of Thrones, Kingsman, everything was really he was a different actor. And going back to Mandalorian, it takes a special actor to pull off this role of you know not being seen, mm-hmm. uh, letting you know letting people feel your emotions or what you're feeling, what you're thinking without speaking, without reading your eyes because. I kind of go back to a movie, a Soldier, an old movie with uh, Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, great movie. Yeah. He barely speaks, yeah. but he has so much emotion in his yeah. eyes. I'm like, oh, that takes a great actor just to sell yeah. a whole role in, yeah. with his eyes. And Pedro did that with a mask on. Yeah. And right. So, like I said, it takes a, a really special actor, and it shows that um, not just Favreau. And we'll, we'll talk about you know some of his ideas, but 
leading up to the the filming, but that they did their homework and they they chose wisely. Yes. Yeah, and uh, we'll hear that you know when we get to a different character. I really enjoyed this behind the scenes episode and how it they showed and talked about how they got the the faceless helmet to have so much emotion and to, for these actors to act with and how they worked off of each other because being a huge nerd, um, you know, Halo came out when I was in high school and it was, you know, the hottest thing at the time. The prequels kind of fizzled out. They weren't as popular as they'd probably hope. So star Wars was back on the back burner. We're probably never going to see movies again because Disney hadn't bought them at the time. So <laughs> as a kid, like we're, we're like me and all my friends were latched onto Halo. The video games are so cool. The Master Chief character, mm-hmm. you know, the faceless doesn't say much. What he does say is very important. And they got the brilliant Steve Downs, who's a, a radio host in Chicago, but had that brilliant voice for the Master Chief. And all we wanted, we want a Halo movie. We want a Halo movie. Yep. And Hollywood, nope, can't do it. You can't have a main character that you can't see their face. There's no way we can do it. And so it's never been done. But if you if you don't know now, I believe it's Stars is doing a Halo series. They did Ford into uh, into Dawn, um, a web. Yeah, right. But, that right, but even that, characters. even then, yeah, yeah it, and even he, but he was short. Yeah, they've yeah. done like Halo fan series and stuff, but every single one of those always revolves around a faced character. Yeah, correct. So, like yeah. in Ford into Dawn, I think it was Lackey it was or something, or Cadets. Yeah, without going far, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, like Master Chief, he, there's like, oh, hey, he's a cameo. Remember, this is Halo. And you're yeah, like, yeah. If, if, without that, you'd be like, I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> right. uh, which is why, obviously, none of those were successful mm-hmm. and they never did anything with Halo. But now, kind of playing on Star Wars coattails from The Mandalorian, they're like, oh, we can do it. And I kind of, that's why I like this behind the scenes because they're like, uh, yeah, y'all said it couldn't be done. Well, we did it. We did it amazing. And this is how we did it. So, yeah. what up? Just a yeah. big old suck it, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, yep. And you know, I, you can make the argument that they are really going back to the beginning because that is what Star Wars was. You know, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah? Watch me. Watch us. Watch me. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that, a new hope spirit of George of the film industry, you can't do that. That's not how it's done. Yeah. Oh. Suck it. <laughs> or we don't know how to do that yet. Yeah. So. Oh, okay, well. We'll, we'll figure we'll, it out. We'll yeah. learn and we will do it ourselves. Yeah. Oh, you guys can't do these sets? Well, we just have a big screen back here that we're going to play them on, and it's <laughs> going to work for yeah. us. So. We'll work that out. Yeah. So, yeah, Pedro Pascal's <laughs> commitment to not just doing that, but he was working with the other two uh, uh, actors, the, mm-hmm. stunt, the stunt doubles, and making sure that whatever he did physically, his performance would mesh with them and bring it all together into one character. Mm-hmm. So well done. Very well done. Yep. I'm so happy to see a fellow countryman yep. <laughs> doing so awesome. <laughs> anyway, so next they move on to the amazing real life badass Gina Carano and talk about someone who is a very complex individual, but very amazing and amazing and um, very giving, very giving to people around her. It, it, it's, it's surprising. So if 
you don't know who Jenny Carano is, let me give you what I know, a quick rundown. Just two basic things. She used to be MMA fighter and was amazing at it and then started doing acting <laughs> and was amazing at that because, well, when she first started out, uh, the one movie I seen recently was Haywire and mm-hmm. it got referenced a few times uh, when they were talking to her, when everyone was talking to her. What a great movie that was. Like completely, I, I had no idea about it. I've seen it recently just because I was like, oh, I want to see what Gina, what else yeah. she's done. And that popped up and I was like, oh, I gotta watch, I'll watch that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very good movie. Well yeah, first done. movie was Lots a of Soderbergh awesome. film. Yeah. yeah. Awesome yeah. action. I mean, she sold it because she knows what she's doing, right? So speaking to her, you notice two things. First of all, she looks like a very strong individual. Very strong individual. Yep. And secondly, for me, when I, when I see her talking to anybody, she's very, very genuine. She looks them in the eye when she's talking to them. So that people know she's being mm-hmm. serious and honest with them. She's very humble. And on top of it, she is very beautiful. She smiles and it lights up the room. So, I mean, just how, how can you how can you not have her in this part? And John Favreau and Dave, I think she was the first one that they even looked at for anything to do mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, she has that calmness about her that you only get from people who've been there and done that. Mm-hmm. You'll get people like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd kill a guy, I'd kill you, blah blah blah, and you're like you know they're talking mess because they've never done it. But she's got that. You know, I can look at you, and she's like, I, I know how I, would, how I would do it. She's like, I know how I'd punch you, how I'd get away with it. <laughs> like, I know how I would do all of this. And she's got that calmness because it's already figured out in her head. She's already done it. And I think John Favreau kind of said it. He's like, we, we were looking for this character to play Cara Dune. You know, they're a shock trooper. They're this. He's like, they're a character who needs to know how to take a punch, punch someone in the face. Why not Gina Carano? Yep. <laughs> she knows how to do it already. Yeah. And I think they kind of mentioned when they were creating the character, she's who they had in mind. Like, they they showed the storyboard photo of Cara Dune. It's like, yeah, that's Gina Carano. Oh, the Pascal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, pa- Pedro brought that up like, hey, Gina Carano. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think exactly going off of you, has that very quiet demeanor. How can I put it? That is like calm and kind, but yet you know there is an intensity behind it. And her, you know, sitting at the table... You, I, I get it, you know. I feel it coming from her, and and, it, and then you add on everything like you said, Derek, and then very complex person. Yeah, yeah and I'm just going to go uh, rewind even further because I've been a fan of hers for years, and uh, I think the first time I saw her in action was the uh, the reboot of the American Gladiators, where mm-hmm. with Hulk Hogan kind of they they rebooted oh, yeah. like in a, I remember that about five six years ago. I don't remember what her I character was. It was like. I can't. It was something remember. like Viper or Laser yeah. or something. Yeah. American Gladiator. Taser. 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 Taser face. Not Taser face. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and Derek, you mentioned she was you know UFC fighter or uh, mixed martial arts. She was actually the pioneer in mm-hmm. female uh, mixed martial arts fighting, and uh, got into it. Was a champion. I think it was the Strike Force. It wasn't UFC yet, but I think it might have been Strike Force. Right, yeah. But um. But she was, 
I think she only had like five or six fights, but she was the champion, and it was kind of she was already kind of I don't say getting up there in age, but like for combat age. So uh, then, then then she got cast in Haywire, which was a great movie for her to be cast in because it's very similar to uh, the Mandalorian. She was female, she was tough, but she was real. Mm-hmm. And after that, I mean, she got into Deadpool, a couple other films. But I think sadly, she got uh, started getting miscast as a manly woman, mm-hmm. and uh, and so she was really. She mentioned this at celebration at the panel, but she was so nervous because she's like, oh, how, you know, how are people going to re- you know respond to you know this manly me, you know, being a, trying to be a woman? But uh, I think they did a perfect job of making her tough. Making her strong, making her a badass, but still being feminine, mm-hmm. being being a woman, and she could be a great role model. You know, the line of Star Wars, you know, amazing female characters for for young girls to look mm-hmm. up to that are real women, and uh, she is that that real character. And you see that the the reception she got at Celebration was nothing but positive. And yep. you know, she's like, I she broke down crying because she was like worried because you, you always hear about the negativity fans and stuff, and so finally being. Uh, shown off to the world and getting nothing but a you know positive reception and excitement for her character character to come down and rightfully show so I mean the first time we see her she I mean yeah. just a classic introduction yeah. and you know it, they they've mentioned possible even uh, Cara Dune like a spinoff series or kind of like a prequel you know where does she come from as a yeah. shock trooper and I would I would love to see that oh and, all over that yeah and the, but um, I'm just going to end with this but the the chemistry that she has with Mando and even Grief Karga, I mean, you, you can see why these particular actors, you know, why, why the show works because they legitimately, I mean, they appreciate, they, they each, appreciate other. each other. Yeah, yeah, and they respect each other, and they all get along, and they're all excited to be a part of the show. Yep. Yeah, she mentioned something about it made her happy that she was there because people who found her, and she was talking about Favreau and Soderbergh, uh, could see her and then Pascal kind of finished the thought for her could see part of your soul. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, the fact that she was a fighter and generally us guys, when we see these fighters, you know, guys that are, that, that I grew up seeing, they tend to have this swagger, this mm-hmm. attitude, this don't get in my face. I'm going to, you know, don't you know who I am? I mm-hmm. can bust you down. That kind of thing. I don't know if it's still like that these days. I'm not watching MMA <laughs> and all those things. I, I, I'm not into it. But knowing that she was in that situation and so physical, so strong, but can still turn around and be so gentle and warm mm-hmm. like to everybody, it's, it's, it's almost unheard of. And I, it makes me wonder what has happened who are the people that brought her up? Who are influences? Right. Uh-huh. Because this, she is the type of person that I honestly would be happy to see my daughter grow up like. Mm-hmm. To be like her. Strong, independent, not afraid to handle herself, but forgiving and giving and warm to people. I mean, it yeah. is, not only is she a great role model for Star Wars in the female category, but I think it feels like just in general. Yeah. You know, and it is every time it is a joy to see her get up there and share of herself. Oh yeah. 
So yeah. and real quick, if you follow her on Instagram, it's exactly mm-hmm. what you said. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's sharing pictures that people are tagging her of either you know young girls in cosplay, yep. you know, or regular cosplayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, art like she's just, uh, so appreciative of all the artists that are you know doing all these Cara Dune pieces, and they tag mm-hmm. her, so she reposts. I'm like, oh my god, this is so amazing, yep. Yep. and just loves the the fan reaction and acceptance of her. Yep. I guess. Yep. One last thing about her and her character. Um, they were talking about, I'm sorry, bring this back around to Star Wars stuff oh, yeah. <laughs> instead of just gushing about, about uh, Gina Carano. Um, they were talking about Star Wars characters all have something in common is what they have a silhouette and you can see them. You see them come in from 50 feet away. You can tell who they are, you know, and they're like, she has that silhouette. You can mm-hmm. tell that is Cara Dune coming at you and it is the silhouette of a warrior. Mm-hmm. And man, very true. No doubt. Right on the money for that. And it's something that I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about that before. There's always so many things I'm like realizing. <laughs> yeah. People talk about stuff and I'm like, wow, that is so true. Why didn't I realize that mm-hmm. before? Makes me want to rethink all the Star Wars every day. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, real yes. quick, going to uh, the, one of the commentary behind the scenes of even Attack of the Clones, there's that scene where Anakin, when they're at the homestead and Anakin's going to take off to look for his mom. And there's the it's just a silhouette of him and Padme. On oh yeah, the, and so they're on the behind the scenes. Their commentary, they're talking like, "Oh, that's cool how they they made him look like Vader because the way his ponytail stuck out, it looked like the helmet of Vader." Mm. And they're like, "No, that's the actual shadow. <laughs> just how it happened." But yeah. even though Anakin was Anakin, it still had the silhouette of Vader. And then when you just reminded me of that, it's just like uh, you can see any you know Boba Fett, Vader, Chewie. R2. Yeah, you can and go like, on and yeah, on and on and on. And you they know. All, they yeah. all have their own yeah. silhouette. And to, to be obvious. such a new character and already recognizable. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yep. Yep. Um, so it does finish up with one final thing. Uh, Gina Carano's part of the episode. And she starts talking about Carl Weathers. Mm-hmm. And he, he's up next. But there's a particular thing. And again, this is her showing her her humbleness is is to what she is and her appreciation for what she's doing um john favreau takes her aside when she's having something particularly difficult wrapping her head around or something or he wants her to see something learn something and he goes and he points out carl weathers to her and he says watch what he's doing watch what he does when he turns it on look at the and it's Again, I'm always very impressed every time these guys talk about <laughs> something, the level of commitment and thought mm-hmm. and intent and emotion mm-hmm. that they put into everything they do. It's mind-blowing to me every single time they open their mouth and they give us some new piece of information about what they're doing and how they're doing it. It just... So, she gives Carl Weathers some compliments that are just humbling and he takes it very well, but you can tell he is very, I, I don't even moved. know what the word is moved. Yes. Thank yeah. you. That is yeah. very moved by what she tells him. And, and again, she's telling him, like I was saying, right to his eyes, looking right at him genuine. And yeah, I, I would be very moved if I got a compliment like that from, from anybody, yeah. honestly, <laughs> the way she was saying that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Next, they move on to Carl Weathers. 
Now, here's the uh, probably the most veteran of all the actors in in the series. And, uh, I mean, he's I remember him all the way back from Rocky, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and watching that um, those fights, that kind of stuff, listening and listening to him talk and go through his thing, the way he processes stuff. Like, has he always done it this deep? <laughs> I know, right? Right. right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to butcher the way he, some of the stuff he says. Just everything he's been saying in this uh, this gallery has been so poetic and inspiring. And I've always been a fan of him, but seeing him is just like, teach me. Like, <laughs> Filoni, teach me. Carl right. Withers, teach me. And, and we'll hear about it. But you, you see, like, how his character was supposed to be limited, but because of... Carl Weathers mm-hmm. being him, you know, him being him. I mean, how much? First of all, he survived episode three, and just expanded, and just the like, like I said, just the chemistry between him and the, you know, Pedro and Gina. It's right. It's John so, Favreau so. drops that little that little bomb of <laughs> he wasn't even supposed to get past episode three. He was supposed to to die in episode three, and. Gina and, and Pedro, I guess, didn't know because they're like, what? No way. How could they do it? And he was supposed to be an alien. Yeah. Then yeah. We're going to put this big thing. animatronic face on Carl Weathers' head. And then we saw him read lines and we're like, we can't do that to him. <laughs> and he even said, you can't do that to me. <laughs> you can't what? cover up this face. He was, he was, his response well, was, what? what was his response? Gosh, People want to like, see the face. It was like, of course. He's like, no, if you have the name, why not have the face? No. But when they initially pitched it to him, which they, they pitched the story, and this is John Favreau mm-hmm. and, and Filoni, Dave Filoni, mm-hmm. they pitched the whole idea of everybody in alien mass and stuff like that, and apparently Cara, what, Grief was supposed to be an alien mm-hmm. um, and have all these prosthetics and stuff on. And when they tried to do some kind of test shots, and again, here we see the 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 storytelling ability between John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Cause just listening to them talk and recount just their daily <laughs> lives or the things that they went through, just so, it's so appreciative of, of the way they tell it because you feel like you're right there. Like you were there when, when whatever they're talking about happened. So they're talking about the test uh, screening they're trying to do with um, the cameras and the people in the prosthetics and stuff like that. And so Filoni's like, I've never directed live action. So he's practicing. He is practicing live action <laughs> yeah. directing. If we find out, this is how he does it. This <laughs> is how they, they're doing test stuff. I could draw John, so much better. Yeah. I could <laughs> yeah. draw this faster than I can get them to do it. Yeah. It's funny. It's, it's funny that he keeps falling back on that. Like he really must like the drawing. Yeah. Um, which I get. So John tells him, go direct those guys. Right. So they, he goes and he tries to direct them come back doesn't really work the guy can't really see the guy that he's trying to give direction to he's in the, all the prosthetics and stuff can't really see anything which is funny because they're trying to teach a masked character hey pick up like this cup and they can't do it so right. like that's so weird to think of that you have to direct someone on how to pick up a cup like such a meaningless task and they're like no do it this particular way it's right. like, hey quill teach him yeah, right yeah so and Filoni apparently fails pretty badly. So then he calls the coach, which is John. Yeah, Fowler. I love that. He's like, coach, go. Okay, coach goes to go do it. So he goes, and his is better, but still not very good. And then they realize, we can't, this isn't going to work. We should, we should probably just have them without it. And so when they tell Carl Weathers they're going to do it without the mask, he's like, 
Yeah, I figured as much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> he already knew. He's a veteran. Yeah. So, but seeing the, the type of thing that he does, um, he recounts his, how he got into it. He said he always wanted to work with John Favreau. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he had to have the script first. So they handed him the script. I mean, talk about having some, some trust in somebody, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, I, and I'm sure if it was somebody brand new, they might not have done something like that, but because he has got the chops that he has and has been around for as long as he has. And, you know, they trusted him with the script to this brand new show. So he could see, cause he wants to know what he's basically endorsing. He says, he's like, whatever I get into, I'm basically endorsing it. So I want to know what's going on. And he was just floored by that script. So he was in and he was, he liked that script so much that no matter what crazy idea, John and, mm-hmm. and, uh, Filoni were throwing at him, you know, the mask or this or that he was like, okay, fine, whatever, let's try it. Why not? You know, he was willing to try it cause he wanted to be part of the show. He could tell that it was that good of a thing. Yeah. And I, I, I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure I've heard this years ago, but, uh, uh, Carl Withers, I think, was on the short list for uh, Iron Man for Nick Fury. Hmm. And I think at the time, either he was, you know, I don't know, comic book movies at the time, maybe not. Then we see what happens after Iron Man. <laughs> and, oh, Favreau, can I get that call again? You know, right. kind of, you know, cross the fingers. Why, yeah. I, I think, like I said, uh, it was a short list when it happened. And of course, you know, Samuel Jackson being the big nerd, he is like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> so, well, he doesn't ever say no to yeah, exactly. anything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, he was really looking forward to work with Favreau. And plus everything, I mean, he's, I don't say everything he's done is, is gold, but you could tell everything he does is he's passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's something that's important. To, obviously, we see it is important to Carl Weathers. Right. His very, passion. very thought out too. Mm-hmm. thought about it, thinking about what he's doing and not just about his part of it, like what he can do to help everyone else get to that point too. So we constantly see through everybody's conversations, the spirit behind what they're doing is to help everybody get this done and in the best way possible. Um, oh man, I forgot that one. one I wanted to mention one thing about Gina Carano. Too. Go ahead. The uh, scene where she picks up Mando, oh. that mm-hmm. part. Yeah. yeah. She talks about how nobody realized how strong she was until she went and really picked him up. Like there was no, <laughs> no stunt dummy, no CGI. Like she went, picked up, picked him up. Full grown man in full gear. <laughs> full gear, picked him up and dragged him inside. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's a lot of weight. Yeah. <laughs> that woman is really strong. Yep. <laughs> wow. Anyway, sorry. Okay. The amount of things that these guys do, the amount of thought that goes behind it all is very impressive. And I appreciate what they do. I appreciate every moment, every effort, every single thing they do to make this show. And I mean, they could apply this show to anything that like that. If they put, if everybody who made a movie, a show or something, put this kind of effort behind everything they did. Mm-hmm. I mean, entertainment would be amazing, mm-hmm. but we're fortunate enough to have it in the star Wars. We're fortunate enough to have it in this brand new Mandalorian show that I starting to get a really strong feeling. It's going to be the jumping point for a lot of star Wars. That's going to be coming our way. Yeah. With the end of the Skywalker saga and the theatrical movies kind of not on hiatus, but you know, there's a few things mentioned, but this is definitely that, that first, 
uh, staple for that for the the new era of Star Wars that we're entering, and uh, I think it's a great staple. To, yeah. Or yeah. Like, they set the bar high, which is good because now they're just going to challenge everybody else after them, the casting show, the Obi-Wan show. And so those shows are going to, you know, obviously with that challenge or with that high bar to reach, will make, hopefully make them that much better on their Elevate own. Elevate the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I can't believe how much I wanted <laughs> or everything I wanted from a behind the scenes. We're getting it mm-hmm. for sure. In spades, in quadruple, in, Whatever kind of multiplier you want to you want to throw in there, it's worth watching over and over again. You're always catching something new. Um, but that's pretty much where it wraps up. They do say one final thing, and Carl Weathers does get the final the final word in. Uh, they do when they're talking about the prosthetics and stuff like that, or even the uh, Mandalorian's armor, all that stuff. Anything that you put somebody in where you can't see their face or it's occluded in one way or another to really get the feeling across of what's happening. The person who has to be in there, it needs to be an actor and Carl Weathers just ends the episode with. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. So that was very fun to watch. You guys watch it over, watch it two or three times to really get all the stuff that's in there. So, is there anything on the docket for anything coming up, Joey? Uh, <laughs> is that a bus? A what? Bus? No, 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 no. I'm um, just asking. I'm kidding. And he can. Edit, I'm. He can always edit it kidding. out if he doesn't like it. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that's about it. All right. Yeah. No. No. No fun new rumors for. Yeah. Any oh, just cast in season oh. two of The Mandalorian that finished wrapping. Five George Lucas ago. directing the last episode. No. <laughs> All right, good. Well, we don't have to put up with any of those ridiculous things anymore. Yeah. Great. All right, so we are going to be looking at the next episode next time. <laughs> Technology. Boy, Technology. It is a doozy. Man, can yeah. we talk about that one? Oh my! Oh my! So. Oh my! Oh my! Anyway, we've been having fun. We did uh, thanks. We want to thank the uh, Mandalorian Mercs, the Mando Mercs Club. Mandalorian Mercs Costume Club. Costume Club, yep, for having us on their MercCon. MercsCon line. (laughs) And if you weren't able to catch up on that uh, during the weekend, uh, that episode will be released as a bonus episode after this episode comes out. Yep. So sweet. You'll definitely be able to check that out. It was a lot of fun. We got some good feedback, I, I think, from uh, from the chat chat room there. Yeah, and if anybody found us because of that, we're eternally grateful. And uh, throw us feedback. Yeah, thanks uh, for joining. Review. Thanks yeah. for listening. Uh, feedback, comment, rate, all that. Send them our way. Yeah, any comments you want to leave on our Instagram page, we will read on the show and give you live responses for yep. the next time you listen. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, until the next time, remember, this is the way. This This is is the way. way.